This episode of Locked on Hornets is brought to you by SeatGeek, the easiest way to buy and sell tickets online. Download the SeatGeek app and use the promo code LOHORNETS to get $20 off your first purchase. Forget about that Panthers loss and let's talk about a Hornets victory. It's time to talk some hoops and stuff. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. It is Locked On Hornets coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson. I'm happy because the Hornets finally get a win in the preseason, and I'm joined by uh, the head of the Locked On Hornets Players Union, David Walker. David, just make sure we get our fair share. That's all I ask. So, Doug, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. If the Hornets won, but you had to be within 75 miles to see it, did it actually happen? Oh, geez. Yeah. So there was obviously <laughs> some issues with the the live stream that they advertised. So what was it? I, I, I'm not exactly clear on what happened. Uh, was I don't it, know. So, did something happen? I, was just, <laughs> I, don't, I honestly don't even know. Yeah, it, I, I don't either because I, I, I was there. Wait, I was in the, let, me, let me take a guess. Let me take a guess. It, it did not go off without a hitch. It did not. Apparently, there were some issues with some people. <laughs> some people viewing it within a certain distance. I don't know. So oh, anyway, no. it is on the website now. I don't know if you can still maybe view the replay if you'd like to. Uh, but you I know, know what? Though? Yeah. Good job. Good effort. I mean, we have been. Banging they try. On people. They try. Right. I mean, hey. Look. That's step one, and then the right. next step so. is actually executing it. Um, <laughs> but. Hey, hey! I mentioned the players' union thing, David, because both the NBA players' union and Commissioner Adam Silver seem positive and relatively confident that a deal on a new CBA can be reached before a December fifteenth opt-out clause kicks in and prevent a possible work stoppage next summer. So that's good news. Whatever happens this season for the Charlotte Hornets, at least there will be basketball next season, or or a full Indeed. slate of basketball next season. Hurrah! I say. How are you feeling, by the way? Can I just stop and ask that? Because I know you were at the Panthers game, uh, so was. you were you were I up was. late and up and and up again. I was up late and then up early. So, uh, what's your tired to disappointed ratio with the with the Carolina Panthers? Uh oh, well, highly disappointed for sure. Highly tired also, but I think that you know once we get talking and you know you know get the little slapstick and you know laughing around, it, it, it gives me a jolt for you know thirty minutes. So Slap some I'll, sticks. I'll crash. All right. Um, big show ahead. We've got the win to talk about, obviously. I want to talk about some things that I saw in Spectrum Center, some new improvements that uh, fans could look forward to, can look forward to, uh, when they step inside the arena for the first time, or the center, I guess. I don't know if it's a – can I still call it an arena? I don't know. I guess I have to call it the center. The Spectrum, I don't know. Um, it's odd. Just don't yeah. call it the Coliseum. Uh, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Panthers fans, head over to iTunes after the show and subscribe to the Locked On Panthers podcast with host Steve Reed. I don't care if they're losing. Subscribe to the podcast because you you need to vent your frustration. I think they have an email, lockedonpanthers at gmail.com. So send your frustrations to Steve Reed. Uh, He he will appreciate uh, the extra comments and and content for the show. Uh, So send those over to him. 
NBA fans, make sure to check out Locked On NBA with host David Locke and get caught up on what's going on around the association. If you have a question, a comment, or you want to sponsor the show, email us at buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com. The season's almost here. More fans are going to be tuning in. That means more ears. So if you want to get your message out, get your business out, just email us at buzzbuzz at lockedonhornets.com, and we will get you taken care of. Okay, David, let's start with the Hornets' first win of the preseason, and it came in front of a small but vocal home crowd, the Hornets competing with the Panthers and Monday Night Football for eyeballs and ears, but they were facing off against a young and talented Minnesota Timberwolves team on the court. The Hornets trailed for most of the first half, a lot of that having to do with outstanding play from slam dunk champion and and just all-around amazing basketball player Zach Levine, who finished the game with 30 points. No real answer for him from the Hornets' side. The Hornets start the third quarter with a 10-2 run to climb back into this game. They finish the quarter strong and outscore the Wolves 32-18 in the third. They wouldn't look back, David. The Hornets win this one 98-86. A lot of great performances to talk about. Let's start with Kimba Walker. He was off his minutes restriction. He played 23 minutes in this one, and he looked absolutely electric, David. 6-11, 6 of 11 from the field, inside and out play. 15 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal and a block for good measure. He made some nice early passes that went begging for their receivers. He could have had more assists, in my opinion, had everyone been locked into midseason form. His dribbling, David, this is the big thing that I saw for him. When he gets inside, his dribble in the lane so much improved from last season, and that's that's a Mm -hmm. tall order. It was almost CP3 in its quality, and that's high praise, I know. But I'm just telling you, he looked outstanding. That's good to hear, and you see it from the three-point line as well, going three of six, along with Nick Batum. Um, yeah, I mean, that sounds good. If you're telling me that Kimball Walker has CP3-like ball skills, you know, the ability to keep that dribble alive until almost the last second, that's going to be a big boost, and that is going to help him take another step up. Uh, so that's good to see. So he was fin- he was not afraid to get back in the lane, not afraid of contact or anything like that. Looked 100% Kemba to you. It looked 100% Kemba. You know, it's taken him some time, I think, to get his game speed back, but I think he had it last night, and he, you know, the, the, the leash was completely off. His, his minutes restriction was off, and, and I just think he looked completely in control, and the offense – the Hornets' offense looked a lot better for it, and we sort of speculated that that was going to happen, that once Kimball Walker got back into the swing of things, that the Hornets' offense would be a lot better for it, and uh, it certainly did. His outside shooting and his ability, I, I think Roy, it's going to be great. Roy Hibbert in that high pick-and-roll screen, he's such a big body. It just gives, even more so than Al Jefferson, I think it just gives, uh, it gives Kimba just a little bit more breathing room uh, to come off that screen and, and fire away. Yeah. So I think you're going to be seeing that as a Hornets fan. You're going to be seeing that uh, three at, above the break from Kimball Walker a lot more. But, yeah, you know, Clifford talked about in training camp how that that Kim, he just looking at Kimba in the offseason, that his skills had improved even more so than last season. And I didn't really know what that meant until last night. I mean, the things that he was doing inside the lane with mm-hmm. his dribble, uh, I just haven't. I mean, I've watched Kimba closely for several years now. Haven't seen that that control. And we have to see if that continues. But for now, at least, uh, that was good. All right, we're going to talk some more about this game for sure. I've got a lot to get to. But I want to take a second to tell you about a great offer from our friends at SeatGeek. 
They make buying and selling tickets online easy by searching multiple ticket sites to make sure you are getting the best price for the best ticket. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price. So, David, I bought tickets to the Greensboro game with the SeatGeek app, and I don't know if I'm allowed to use our promo code, take advantage of our spoils, if you will, but I did. Yeah, Uh, yeah, you did. And one thing that I love about the SeatGeek app is that uh, if I have, and I had the ticket on my phone, and it knows that, hey, there's the game that he bought is tonight, and it put that barcode right on the front page. So when I open the app, that Mm -hmm. barcode is immediately there, so I don't have to go fumbling around, swiping, tapping to get the ticket. It's just right there. SeatGeek makes everything easy. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. And here's the best part. Our hardcore Hornets fans get a $20 rebate off their first purchase to get that $20 rebate on tickets. And look, Hornets single-game tickets, they're, they're there. So they're there for the taking. Here's how to get that $20 rebate. Download the SeatGeek app, go to the Settings tab, and click Add a Promo Code. Enter promo code LOHORNETS. That's L-O-HORNETS. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOHORNETS today. Okay, let's get back to this Timberwolves game. David, uh, any any impressions, any performances that you look on the box score and go, whoa, what happened there? Carl Anthony Towns from Minnesota. What did the Hornets do to kind of keep him under wraps? Okay, this is a great one to get to because I commented on this during the game. It, it was a lot of Marvin Williams. I mean, just really impressive what he was able to do defensively. Clifford talked about it after the game. Let's take a listen to that. So he's a, obviously he's an exceptional three-point shooter, and yet he can guard. You know, he's like anybody. You you know, you're going to have to give anybody somehow. Like nobody can guard Towns one on one. You know, but he can battle with a guy like him, and at least make it hard and give you a chance. And he can guard all the guys that can shoot three. So again, praising Marvin Williams there. He can shoot threes. He can defend players that take the three, and he can match up at least initially because. He is a very physical defender, and he's a very active defender. He can match up one-on-one in the initial attack with guys like Carl Anthony Towns. And again, you see the Hornets making a switch here like they did against Boston. When there's a center that can shoot the three-point shot, they're going to move Roy Hibbert, who is a paint defender. He is not a perimeter defender at all. Uh, They're going to move Marvin Williams to that player despite there being a little bit of a physical mismatch down low. They're going to take the mismatch Mm -hmm. down low as opposed to having Carl Anthony Towns fire away at the three-point line. And and as you said, Carl Anthony, two of six for only four points. That is containment, 21 minutes played for Carl Anthony Towns. And here's how Marvin Williams did it, in my mind. He is very good, and we saw this a lot last season too, when he when he does get back down. First of all, he's great at ball denial, and, and that's going to, if the player is able to catch it in the post, they're going to catch it farther than they'd like. So he did a good job there. But when he does catch it, when Carl Anthony did catch it, Marvin was able to get in there in that, again, that initial move that Towns tried to make. Marvin was getting his hands in there, putting his body mm-hmm. on, on Towns' body, and forcing that first move to get disrupted. What that does is it gave Batum, uh, Hibbert, whoever was on the backside, it gave them an opportunity, and the defense was communicating, saying, hey, help, help, help. 
and get over there for when Towns, because again, Marvin's not going to be able to stay with Towns through two or three moves, just like Al Jefferson. Right. You can't stay with that guy for two or three moves. You have to have somebody to come over and help and double and keep him out of the lane. Roy Hibbert did a great job of giving that help, and and but Marvin is the the main thing there because he he stops that initial attack, keeps him from getting a, a move to the rim on that first move. Uh, so outstanding job by Marvin. That's huge. I mean, and you look at his offensive production. Not probably not the night he wanted shooting over uh, six from three, only one of seven from the field. So did get to the line and put up some points there and grab seven rebounds. I mean, that's great to hear. Doug, because we've talked about being a little bit wary about Marvin's year after he had a, such a great year last year. But you know, Clifford, you, you put that kind of performance out there for Clifford against a guy like Towns, and that's all Clifford needs to see. I mean, you could just hear the difference in the way he speaks about Marvin after that game. You know, you compare that with the way he's speaking about, um, not to call him out again, but Lamb after the 16 point game and, mm-hmm. and not much defense. It's just, <laughs> it's the, the difference is telling. And, uh, so that's good to see him. And, that, and that's an impressive night for Marvin, too. Yeah. I mean, Marvin, you know, again, you mentioned 06 from beyond the arc. Not too worried about that. I think there will be a regression for him in terms of his three point shooting because it was so outstanding and a little bit of an outlier last season, how effective he was from there. So I think there will be a little bit of a regression, but it's not going to be 0 for 6. He's still trying to find his shot in the preseason, not worried about that. And yeah. you like to see what he was able to do in the third quarter. He really signaled that 10 2 run by getting to the line, using the threat of his three-pointer to drive the basket. He was 9 of 9 from the line, so he finishes with 11 points and 7 rebounds. And when you you have a guy that is so effective from the three-point line, able to find offense and able to affect the game in the way he did, that's, I mean, you get an idea, you get a sense of why Steve Clifford and company wanted to keep Marvin, why he was such a priority, because of his ability to go one-on-one with Towns. I mean, that's yeah. not every power forward can do that, okay? That's no. that's, no. that's just yeah, a, that's exactly. a reality. Uh, one guy who got his shooting back, got his groove back, was yeah. Frank Kaminsky. Yeah. And we have to talk about him. I mean, because, uh, you know, you – a couple of second unit guys shining in this one, but Frank Kaminsky, one of them, came into this game 0 of 13 from 3 – but he hits four out of eight in this one. Frank struggles from outside. It's been a story on this show since preseason game one. Well, Frank was aware of the issues as well. You know, I had to talk with uh, some of the coaches after the last couple of games, and I was letting some stuff affect me. Um, you know, whether it was missing shots, you know, messing up on rotations, um, you know, just that mentality that I got to just let it go and keep playing. And I tried to go out there and do that tonight, and it worked out. So, David, are you happy now? Are you ha- you called for this last game? You demanded it or last show? You demanded I dem- it. I demanded. I thought he was going to say I had to talk with David, but he didn't say that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean that's fantastic. I listened. Like I listened. Frank, I listened to Locked On Hornets, I listened, and I was really, I was really there disappointed. Was <laughs> there was a demand for threes. <laughs> I mean, it feels like it feels like Frank is is one of those guys that that needs to get you know a good amount of shots up. To, to get in the groove. I mean, in college, I, he was a focal point of that offense, right? And so last year, he's obviously not. But he's being asked to come off the bench and provide some sh- some outside shooting and some scoring. And so it, it, it almost feels like it takes him a little bit to get in the groove. But for him to get up 13 shots and four of eight from three, that is something he needed to see the ball go in the basket, too, I think. But it's 
interesting to hear him say that, you know, he needs to stay a little more even keel throughout the game. I mean, that's certainly something Steve Clifford does a good job of. And I know it can be yeah. tough for a second-year guy like Frank who's trying to, you know, maybe push a little, maybe make his mark uh, and impress some people and play better. So the fact that he can realize that, the coaches are talking to him about it, and he can get more comfortable, I think is huge. But, yeah, those four three-pointers, I mean, that had to be a huge side of a relief for him and everybody else. Well, here's the thing. So he came into this season not talking about his three-point shot. He was talking about his his need to improve his defense, and I think he felt the pressure to do that because he plays for a coach in Steve Clifford who demands that. And, you know, he wants more playing time. He knows that he's got to play better defense, and so you heard him. Missed rotations, getting into his head a little bit, and so that's what I was wondering because you see Frank and he's he's uh, knocking down three-point shots and then airballing them the next possession. And I go, you know, what is yeah. that? What's going on there? And I saw him warm up in Greensboro and he's knocking down three-point shots all over the place. So I don't, I didn't think it was mechanical. I had a hunch that it was mental and he's confident. He's confident inside. I mean, his, his post moves have been stellar so far this yeah. preseason. Um, he missed a few really badly to start this game. Uh, airballed a couple of three-pointers, but he kept shooting. That was the key. He kept shooting, and he finally mm -hmm. started to get his groove back. David, I thought they were going to start playing this over the PA. It's all coming back. It's all coming back to me now. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, I thought, I mean, it was, it just, it just, it finally started to click for Frank Kaminsky. You could see the body language change, too, in Greensboro when he missed a couple of three-point shots. Uh, just totally dejected, uh, not just – I mean, you could see it. And uh, yeah. his his shot was stuck in quicksand, but luckily for Hornets fans, uh, it, it's back out of the mud now. Jeremy Lamb also played well. He's had a couple of nice offensive games in this preseason so far, but his defense has been a little shaky. And, you know, he he did some of that offensive damage against deeper reserves – in this game, he played well when the Hornets needed him to. He really helped close this game out, shut the door on the Minnesota Timberwolves. He was 7 of 10 from the field, 16 points. And, David, I thought he played better defensively. Not great, especially in the first half. Shabazz Muhammad um, got by him for an offensive rebound put-back slam. And then at the very end of the first quarter, Shabazz beat him in transition when Jeremy wasn't paying attention and almost got a buzzer beater like full court layup. It was not not a great moment, but as we saw this in Connecticut, he came back into the game looking more focused on defense, more attentive and more intense on defense. And he had a steal that he took uh, all the way for for a layup, so he had some impact defensive plays, but I just thought all around uh he played he played better defense. So that's good to hear. That should never happen. I mean to Lamb uh, to be honest to get beaten like that and, and I don't know Clifford that eats him up but I gotta admit something here Doug you know we've been on Lamb the last week or so about his defense and how it doesn't really matter what he does on offense if he doesn't play up to the expectations on defense he's not gonna play but you know I mean if you've got Bellinelli out there playing 29 minutes going over three from three scoring zero points and you have Lamb out there with seven of ten and 18 minutes for 16 points I mean it, it, you know, it, there's only so many choices that Clifford's going to have to come off the bench and, and play some minutes, and they got to be able to do something. I can't imagine Bellinelli's defense is, is is up to a point where he can score zero points. So, I mean, there's still room for Lamb to be a contributor here. It feels like, I mean, they've got to have some scoring punch off the bench, and the the options are, you know, are, are not that 
plentiful. I, 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 well, I agree with you because I think there are some serious issues as we head into this six-day break for the Hornets uh, before they play their next preseason game. There are issues on this second unit, both defensively and offensively. The, the first unit looked locked in in this game. The second unit, less so. And, and I think I, I don't expect that trend to continue with Marco and, and Jeremy Lamb. Uh, but if it did continue into the regular season, yes, I think that Steve Clifford would be forced yeah. to play the young guy. But I'm telling you that uh, – well, Clifford said after the game in reference to Marco Bellinelli that um, that, he, that Bellinelli is still trying to figure out what what his role is on this team and sure. um, that he didn't get a, a chance to play a lot during the summer because Italy, the Italian team – um, Italian national team got knocked out early, didn't get to go to the Olympics. So he didn't get that normal international play that he's used to in the summer. And so that could be a factor as well. But yeah, you're right. He, I didn't think he played horrible defensively, but he has physical limitations when it comes to defense. I think he played within the scheme really well, but you know he is a slower defender and he got taken advantage of by Minnesota's speed. As I think the entire second unit did. This second unit is going yeah. to struggle to defend smaller second units and quicker second units, and I, that, that's where a lot of uh, uh, Levine's points came from. Uh, was just him being quicker than everyone uh, on that second unit. But yeah, I think mm-hmm. you're right. 29 minutes, 0 of three from the field, 0 of three from beyond the arc, zero points. Uh, that's not going to cut it for Marco, and he knows that. And and I think you know he's a professional. He's been in the league and playing internationally for a long time, and. I expect that to improve in these next four preseason games, but he hasn't—he really hasn't had an impact performance yet in the preseason. No. We'll have to see if that happens. Um, I want to talk about a couple of the things, David, that I saw in the arena. If you don't mind, I, I want to give you a little bit of a preview. What you can expect. Hand me a picture. All Hand right. So, picture. first of all, obvious thing—the name of the building has changed. They have. They've taken the Time Warner Cable Arena thing down, and now it says Spectrum Center all over the place. Um, here's the thing that I didn't expect. A lot more concessions spread out to areas mm-hmm. that before did not have concessions, just di- different areas of both the lower and upper bowl that were, were barren uh, now have food and drink, uh, including sure. a grab-and-go station reminiscent of the one at the uh, at Bank of America. Where you just go and you just, grab what you want just, and, you just, you, and you pay. You, uh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah it's not free. Yeah, it's okay. not free. Okay. <laughs> no, you got to pay, and you will pay a little more than you would at a convenience store. But you you grab it, and it's a good it's a good quick thing. You know, you don't have to wait in a big line and wait on somebody to 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 make it. I mean, it's it's there. Uh, also, the new concessions and some of the old concession stands have been given names that reference either places in Charlotte, like First Ward, Fourth Ward, or references to the Hornets franchise. The the hot dog, uh, the extreme loaded hot dog stand is now called the Hive. So, yeah, just a couple of cool. It's just, just little things. And I saw the honeycombs for Alonzo Mourning uh-huh, and Del uh-huh, Curry. They've uh-huh. got those up. It's just cool to see. Because I remember going there when Bobcats played and then the Hornets transition and then to now, and you can see them starting to fill the the arena, the center, whatever you want to call it. They're filling it with their own their own mark, you know? And, yeah, and that's a cool and there thing. Were, there were some and there were some dead zones in there. Some of those uh yeah. you know, some of those cavernous hallways, you know, needed some things to fill them up. So that's good to hear. 
Yeah. I'm excited to try these these hot dogs that you mentioned. Uh, that sounds, Extreme that sounds loaded hot dogs. Extreme loaded hot dogs. They've always been there. This just now it has a new name. So yeah, you check that okay. out. It's right by it's right by our section. I'll treat you to a game. Ooh. Uh, and a hot dog, a game and a dog. Um, so, but it's yeah, it's nice to see them putting their mark on the and and you can see the evolution and you can see them you know putting more and more stuff in the in the arena and obviously as we mentioned there is a we've we almost did a whole show on it the the giant screen. Uh, that mm-hmm. is now in in uh, Spectrum Center, the the jumbotron, uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's it's massive. It was cool to see it in action, and they've got new the the runner boards that go all the way around the all the way around the uh, uh, the arena and the the screens that they have in the corners as well. It all it all is pretty fantastic. It makes it much. Uh, it's again you you're sort of having to decide: do I want to watch this massive screen or what's going on? Uh, down on the court, but it's it made for there was one particular play where I believe it was Batum or Marvin that got an absolutely clean block on a play, and they called a foul, and they replayed that sucker, and it was it I mean 1080p or whatever, it was clear as day, high definition. <laughs> that was a, a, obviously an all ball block, and the the fans that were there gave it to the refs because you could see it clearly. So it was. That was cool, and then of course they they retired the old scoreboard and put those screens, which are ma- they're you know, relative to your you know sixty inch TV at home are massive. They put those out in the main concourse, and so that's cool too. It's just everything just feels more high tech. Everything you know, it's it's they filled out uh, the Spectrum Center now, and so it's it's a cool experience. So if you if you do get a chance to get out to a game in Charlotte, I think you're really going to enjoy yourself. I can't wait, Doug. Okay, so looking ahead, the Hornets have a six-day break from games, but they'll be hard at work in the meantime. They will get the day off tomorrow before getting back to practice. I like how they divided this up, by the way, David. They they did four games early on, and then they, they're taking this big break to practice, and then they'll have four more games. And so you'll really get an evaluation of you know some early struggles, fixing those issues, Coach Clifford said they're going to scrimmage a lot. They're they're really going to get. He said an interesting thing too. I didn't get time to pull this audio, but he said something interesting that you have guys right now, and he, he observed this from last night's game that are really trying to find their individual games. I think he's talking. I mean, I, I'm assuming this is a this is speculation. One of the favorite things that we do mm-hmm. here on the show. But I think he was talking about guys like MKG, who yeah. are ultimate team guys. But they're they're trying to find their individual game right now in the preseason. He was two of eleven from the field, and there were a couple of questionable shots. Um, and I think a couple of guys on the bench too are are still trying. Frank Kaminsky certainly trying to find his individual game. Finally, you know he he opened a closet and found it at the bottom, and uh, it's affecting the way that the team game comes together. So I think that's the big thing. You, you oh, go sure, into this yeah. practice session and you find you go okay guys let's find our individual game let's let's put that away get confident about that and then start to work on how we all work together and so I think that's going to be the focus of this of this six day break and then they move uh, they move into uh, another set of four games next game will be Monday October seventeenth in Chicago to take on the Bulls at the United Center that game will be on NBA TV so several days of practice. 
when you think back on these past four games, David, what what things do you expect to be improved? I just mentioned one when you see them again next week. And what's one thing you think may not improve? Um, I think the turnovers will be down. Uh, I hope that that was a staple of the team last yeah. year. And I think the familiarity with guys after a week of practice should hopefully be better. I know that's going to be a big focus. So I'll look for those turnovers to be down. I am wary that the shooting is going to kind of stay where it has been, but uh, we'll see. I mean, that's been a struggle or been a known struggle for Clifford uh, since the, the start of the preseason. So that's something that he's nervous about. Um, and so if I had to pick one, I'd say the shooting will probably remain the same. Although, you know, like you mentioned, guys like Bellinelli uh, are not going to shoot that way and neither is Marvin. So um, individual shooting hopefully will improve. But if I had to take a guess, that would be my guess. So yeah, I'm actually I'm going to completely disagree with you. I think the shooting will improve. I don't think you're going to have Marvin Williams shoot uh, O of six and Marco Bellinelli shoot O of three. They did improve slightly their three point shooting. It was up from a uh, five point something percent <laughs> in they Connecticut more than one as a team. Yeah, yeah as a team. Uh, so it's it's tough to get worse than that. Uh, one of one of 19, I believe, was the final tick there. Now, 12 of 36 in this game, so they're taking more threes, getting more confident, 33% from beyond the arc in, in this. Uh, uh, but I do agree on the turnovers. They had 19 in Connecticut, 15 uh, last night. That will certainly improve as this team, again, stops trying to find their own individual game and, and gets more uh, – uh, they get more locked in with one another – uh, one thing that I don't know is going to really improve is the second unit defense. I think they – and this is pending Cody Zeller's return. Once we see Cody Zeller get back into action, we have no idea when that's going to be. Don't know if this injury is going to linger on into the season quite yet. But if it does, that's concerning because I, I just think that this this second unit has a ceiling defensively when you talk when they get that full unit in there of Ramon Sessions, Frank Kaminsky, Marco Bellinelli, Spencer Hawes, and Jeremy Lamb, that's just five players that have traditionally uh, struggled with with different aspects of their defense. So mm-hmm. it, it, it there's go you go, you're going to have to find a way to get those five guys to play uh, better as a sum of their parts. And that's going to be the challenge for uh, for Steve Clifford until Zeller can get back. But I'm not sure that's going to improve as we head into these next four preseason games. But we're, we're not going anywhere, by the way. We're going to be on all week. We're going to be covering this team up close. We'll have sound from practice. Uh, thanks to our friend uh, Justin Thomas, who got us the sound for this show. And, and he's going to be at practice all week helping us out. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Exciting news. We're doing a dress rehearsal for our YouTube show tonight. You're not going to get a, you may get a chance to see that if it goes well. I may release it. If you're within 75 miles of our <laughs> studio. <laughs> see, we're we're locked in. We're we're ready. We're ready for the regular. That was a brilliant that was a brilliant way to bring that back. We are ready to go. <laughs> in the regular season. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a five-star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans just like yourself find this podcast. Shoot us your Hornets questions, your thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're here with you all week, updating you from uh, with all the news around the Charlotte Hornets. For David, 
I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Come on, Panthers. Let's go Charlotte. Or let's let's swarm Charlotte. Awesome. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV?